today are headed down with just the toddlers today. So they will take the kiddos down or you can meet them down in the room. Amen. Um, we're going to hear from Stu Greener today who is an elder in the church family here. And uh, I want to just share something about Stu. I just feel led by the spirit to honor this man. And he, Stu is an honorable man. He really is. And I, I know that through experience and through living in his household when I moved back to Maine 12 years ago and just watching him and his life, the way he loves his wife, etc. He's, he's a true example. But I want to say something about Stu. I, years ago, I had a dream about Stu, and it, I, it's just etched into my soul. And I saw Stu, this is the dream, and Stu was standing next to Mount Katahdin, and he had his arm around Mount Katahdin. And in the dream, he's standing there with a big smile, and his, he's got his arm around it, like, look what I did. And he's just emanating this light onto his wife, Christy, in the dream. And in the dream, I heard a voice say, Stu, climb the biggest mountain in Maine, and the dream ended. And I want to say of Stu that he's a man who's climbed mountains, and he's an overcomer, and he has authority in the land here. He's been here for decades, he and his wife both, and his household in the region, laboring, and their labors are not in vain. But Stu's a man who's climbed mountains and overcome. He has victory and authority in his life. And I just wanted to honor him today as an elder in our midst and, and one who really fits the mold, one who's been there, done that in some areas, and is a true example to us. So, Stu, I just wanted to honor you and bless you and, uh, you know, just picture him. You know, you see him smile, that big smile. Mount Katahdin right there, baby. I climbed the biggest mountain in Maine. Come on. <laughs> oh, wow. Any of ever? Wow, good to see you all today. Look at all these smiling faces. All right. Any of you ever climbed Mount Katahdin? Yeah, yeah it's cool. Yeah, years ago. Years, yeah, years ago. Ye years ago. <laughs> so, just a reminder right after uh, our gathering today, we have water baptism outside. It's going to be really great. Looking forward to it. Um, and so that said, I'm, I'm on a very, putting myself on a very real time limit here, okay? Uh, we want to wrap up within the next half hour so that we can head outside, okay? So um, I'm, I promise I won't be long-winded, but um, I'm going to get as far as I can with this today, okay? And um, if we need some more time next week, we'll, we'll take it. But um, we've been talking, um, staying in the same flow, the same vein that, We've been in the last few weeks. Uh, you may remember a few weeks ago, Wes was reading from uh, the book Reese Howell's Intercessor, and it was about the Welsh uh, revival where people were just um, just magnetically drawn to the Lord. And uh, there was just a, a major move of God that just swept across um, you know, the British Isle. And um, he, there was a, a section in the book where he was, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was sort of lamenting that, you know, 
there, there was this mighty har this great harvest of people that came in, um, but there was there were a couple of things where 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 clearly uh, the the those who were uh, in the church were not ready for the influx, and one was uh, being grounded in in sound doctrine, and the other was to have the power to pray people through into into victory. Okay, and so. We've been addressing the importance of being s rooted, grounded in sound doctrine, okay? Um, my task today is to talk about um, the importance of having the power, okay, uh, to minister uh, life unto people, unto those that God brings to us, okay? And um, that is, the topic is, is on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, um, I'm not going to assume that everyone in this room is on the same page with this. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to just today, I'm just going to teach a little bit and present you with information, food for thought. Take it home, think about it, okay? We're not having ministry time up here today, anything like that, okay? Um, just going to present you some scriptures, some things to go home and contemplate, okay? Um, because you know, there may be different schools of thought in the room here, okay? And uh, I know there are church-wide, okay? Um, but we want to we wanna, we wanna kind of break this open a little bit. And so um, I'm going to begin with the words of Jesus, okay? So in John 7, Jesus, he's at the feast, and he says in... Verse 37 through 39. I love this. It says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Okay, so Jesus stands and cries out. This was a bit of a rarity for Jesus. He didn't often stand and cry out, but he did it here. He stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Notice rivers, that's plural. It's not just a river, it's rivers, plural. Okay? It's like a lot. <laughs> All right? But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, so let's just look at that for a few moments, right? Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Okay, he had something to give. He says, you're thirsty? Come and be satisfied. You know, I have what you need. All right? I'm reminded of when Peter said to the beggar as he was walking into the temple, well, I don't have any money with me right now, but such as I have, I give to you. <laughs> so, see, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. Right? What I have, I give to you. And Jesus said, come and drink. All right? So, speaking here of, if you're thirsty, I can satisfy you. All right? Then he goes on, he says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers 
of living water. Rivers of living water. In other words, he's saying, to those who believe, I'm going to give the same thing I have. I'm going to give you the same thing I have. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. Now, rivers, again, notice it's plural. And I looked it up in Strong's in the concordance. All right? It's a very rich meaning. It means a current, a brook, drinkable running water, equivalent to a torrent. Torrents of water. See, rivers speak of something that it shapes landscape. It changes things. Everywhere rivers flow, they cut out the landscape. They shape things. Rivers bring change, okay? The rivers here speak of something life-giving. Everywhere they go, okay? And there's a lot of spiritual significance to rivers. If you go back into the Old Testament, Isaiah the prophet was constantly talking about rivers. In Isaiah 43, you know, forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. He talks about rivers in the desert to refresh God's people. I'll give rivers in the desert where things are dry. He said in Isaiah 55, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come to the waters. He says in Isaiah 59, I love this, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. And check this out, amplified, for he will come like a rushing stream which the breath of the Lord drives. In other words, yeah, the enemy might come in like a seeming flood, but God's going to raise up a greater flood to beat him back. Where's the greater flood coming from? Out from God's people, out from his church, out of your innermost being, out of your belly, rivers of living water. And we see it again in Ezekiel where it said where it was speaking of the river flowing from the temple, okay, flowing from God's house. And wherever the river flows, every creature will live, okay? So the rivers in Scripture are very significant. It's, it's, it's life-giving, okay? Life-giving. And so in verse 39, we see specifically what's he talking about with rivers. By this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were yet to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given. Okay? So, you know, where did Jesus get such life-giving water that he could so boldly call any who were thirsty to come and drink? Now, you may at first blush say, well, he's God. He always had it. Okay? But he came to earth and became a man. Okay? He became a man. And... There was a moment in his life that Scripture documents, okay, where he received the power to do all that the Father was commissioning him to do, okay? So, and we see that. I'm going to go to that now. It's in Luke 3. Luke 3, verses 21 and 22, okay? And it says, now when all the people were baptized, this is great. We have baptism today, water baptism. It says, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. So Jesus came to John and was baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him 
in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out from heaven, you are my beloved son, in you I'm well pleased. Jesus is 30 years old at this point, and there's this moment where he's marked, and the Holy Spirit descends on him, all right? There's this moment of, of immersion, yes, in water, but also in the Holy Spirit. How do we know the aftermath of it, which we'll get to in a moment? But I want to say something about Jesus' first 30 years. Okay? Because you might say, well, what are you saying? He didn't, he didn't have the Spirit at all his first 30 years? I'm not saying that at all. Okay? Was the Holy Spirit clearly with him up to age 30? Obviously, he lived the perfect sinless life. He had the power to do that. There was fruit. There was fruit. Okay? And yet, he was not yet equipped to do to step into the three-year ministry that he was called to do until this moment there was a tangible event okay let's not confuse the fruit of the spirit with the baptism of the spirit okay i have to say this because in church circles there's a lot of confusion with this well i have the fruit of the spirit therefore i'm filled to overflowing not necessarily okay the, let me just give you a tangible the fruit of the Spirit will move you to, like, unselfishly make soup for somebody when they're sick. To take a phone call in the middle of the night and get in your car and go help somebody. The fruit of the Spirit will move you to do that. Okay? The baptism of the Spirit will equip you to minister healing to that sick person. Do you see the difference? There's only so much dimensionally you can do if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. You can have empathy, you can have lots of compassion, you can do lots of wonderful things. And that's vital, and that's necessary. If we don't have fruit, we're just pretenders. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that we are walking with God. Okay? It's evidence that God's at work in our life. But we're, well, let's not confuse the two here, because there's this tendency, and you hear, it, it's a, well, that's what it is. It, it's all about fruit, and I don't need anything else. But the thing, we need what God says we need, okay? We, we didn't write the book, okay? So let's just not confuse those two. So there was this moment this, where a tangible shift happened. Up to 30 years old, Jesus is a good son to his mama, good son to his dad, um, working in dad's carpenter shop, okay? Treating people with love and honor and respect. I can imagine he did some of the greatest work. I, I, there's not much written about Jesus the first 30 years. I wish I knew more. But he, li he lived a perfect, sinless life. But at 30 years old, he's baptized. And the Spirit of God descends on him. And this is an immersion in the Spirit. Okay, Because immediately it says the Spirit of God led him into the desert led him into the desert and here he's entered in at this point in this in this baptism in water in this baptism in the holy spirit he enters into a completely new dimension of living where he's now equipped to go forth and he enters into his ministry and the very first thing he's led by the holy spirit into the wilderness and for 40 days he's in the wilderness and he overcomes the temptations hurled at him by the by the devil by the enemy and then it says something very interesting and, and think about that, 40 days in the wilderness. Israel's in there 40 years. <laughs> Jesus accomplishes in 40 days what, God, what God's people couldn't do in 40 years, okay? Through the power of the Spirit. 
He was led by the Spirit into the desert. Then he comes out of the desert, and it says here in Luke 4, verse 4, whoops, sorry, Luke 4, 14, Jesus returned to Galilee, comes out of the desert, in the power of the Spirit. So what does that look like? Well, here's where he turned the world upside down. Things started to really shift. He comes out in the power of the Spirit. News about, about him starts to spread all, all over the surrounding district. He began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. And now he begins to read from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Ponder that for a few moments. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He announces it to do these things. Okay, and I want you to see, he reads from the prophet Isaiah, and it lists there the things he's anointed to do. And I want you to know, it's not just in word, it's in demonstration. And you only are, this demonstration is only available through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, the, He's, he, he, he reads this, and it's speaking of the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit to set captives free. He says, there's five things I see here. The, he's, he's, he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, release to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to deliver the oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, that was the first proclamation coming out of the wilderness. Now, you know, for many, the preaching of the gospel is limited to word only. And as I said, that's, that's, that's one important dimension, appealing to the mind. We should love the Lord our God with all our mind. That is an important dimension, but it's, that, is, that, is, that is the gospel spoken in the realm of verbal communication. Then there is the demonstration of the gospel. See, the gospel is good news. And good news, folks, good news to someone who's poor is, God will provide for me. Good news to someone who is bound by Satan is, God will set me free. There's hope for me. I can really get free from this. I don't have to live with this besetting sin any longer. I don't have to live in bondage to depression and to anxiety any longer. I can be free. Good news to one who is sick is God wants to heal me. You see? See, good news. See, God, it's good news. It's it's. God, this is the demonstration of the gospel. God very much wants to tangibly meet people at their point of need. Not just in a one-dimensional sense. We're in our minds, we're won over to Christ. You see? 
So the power of the Spirit comes with word and demonstration. Because look, there's going to be a lot of people that come in here who are dealing with all sorts of stuff, okay? And part of our ministry is ministering to those who are broken and hurt and wounded and sick. This is what we do here, you know? I mean, you look at, we, we, ha- we, have our, we, have our, we have our, we have our encounters, okay? We need people who can pray people, help people pray and pray them into victory, you know? Our, fr- our, our, our freedom sessions that we do. We need people who can lead people into, vi- into victory, okay? Where they can break free from torment, from torment, Okay? And again, we can't give what we don't have. Like Peter said, what I have, I give you. What I have, I give you. You see? And so we, w- w- the, the, uh, hopefully I'm encouraged, hopefully this is making you hungry, because this is all I'm going to leave you with today. Okay? I, I, I'm not, this is a, I, I, there's a lot we could go into, but we don't have time for that today. But I just want to get you hungry that, you know, there is more. There, there's a greater measure for you, okay? So we, we see, so Jesus announces, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel and to demonstrate these, these demonstra- the, the demonstrations of the power of the Spirit. And... We see this throughout Jesus' ministry. And I'll just, while I'm just in Luke, I mean, I'll just flip my page. And right here in Luke 5.15, the news about him was spreading even further, and large crowds were gathering to hear him. Okay? That's one dimension. That's the realm of hearing with the ear. God speaking and engaging your mind. And that's important, vital. And it's really the Holy Spirit who brings conviction to the heart. And when, when, when people hear words where they're challenged in their spirit, okay? So that's part of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's being able to preach the gospel, declare the gospel with a, with, with a, with a level of, of, of what we like to call unction, where, where there's anointing on it, where it breaks through walls that people have put up in their hearts, and it reaches those places in their heart that, they, that, that, that they're guarding and very carefully guarding. Because they're afraid. And it takes the whole work of the Holy Spirit to penetrate through that. So the hearing is vital. But it doesn't stop there. And that's what I'm trying to get to us today. It's, this is not an either-or proposition. You can have both. Word and demonstration. It's not just, well, this is, this is just how I like to roll, you know. <laughs> I'm just pretty chill and laid back. Well, I am too. <laughs> but... I, I, I want what God says we can have. I really do. And so it says here, they came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. You see that? And then just, yeah, and just the next chapter, in chapter 6, it goes even a step further. Now this gets people squirming a little. They'd come to hear him and, they'd come to hear him, there it is again, and to be healed of their diseases and, you ready for this? People don't have a problem with hearing and with oh, getting healed? Great. 
But now it gets a little, you know, oh boy, do we want this in the house of God? And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. I got three dimensions right there, folks. They came to hear him. They came to be healed of their diseases. And they came to be set free from the power of the devil. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, this is the demonstration, God shall raise up a greater flood. Rivers of living water. Where are they coming from? You, people of God, out from your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is found in and through the fullness, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Amazing, right? So, so Jesus, back to that scripture in John, Jesus says that this dimension of life and the power of the Spirit is available to us. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Water that will meet the need of those you encounter. Water that will meet the need. Good news to the poor, release to captives, recovery of sight to blind, deliver the oppressed, proclaiming the favorable year of the Lord. So, we fast forward to where Jesus' earthly ministry is done, and he's about to ascend into heaven. And I think we'll... I'll make this my last stop today. In Acts 1, he's he's giving his final instructions to his disciples. In Acts 1. And in verse 4 and 5, he says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard from me. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We go down to verse 8. He described what it was because they had all sorts of ideas. You know, he's a, they're asking him, well, are, is, is, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom? He said, no, that, that's not for you to know those times. But here's what you, is going to happen to you. You're going to receive something that you need to go and minister. In fact, don't even go out without it. Okay, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And uh, when he said that, let let me read that from the Amplified. He says, you shall receive power. That's ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Ability efficiency, and might. And he said, you're going to be baptized. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptized means to be immersed, submerged, (laughs) dipped repeatedly, (laughs) fully wet, fully saturated with, and another word is actually overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Okay, so that, that, that's, that's amazing. And, and that's, 
And, and so that's what he said. And, and, he, and, and he said to them, he commanded them to wait, to wait for this. Okay? So even as Jesus, at 30 years old, there was a tangible moment where there was a, you might even call it an event, something happened at his baptism. Okay? He's telling the disciples, wait for this, because this is now for you, and you're going to carry on my work. Okay? You're going to carry on my work. Right? Then, so, let's see. Um, okay. Got to wrap up here. Just a couple minutes. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, next week, I'm going to talk a little bit, if that's okay, next week, <laughs> about what did, it, what did it look like, okay? I, I think most of you know, okay? But I want to actually take a few minutes next week and go through a few examples in the book of Acts, okay? And I'm, I'm going to let the Word do the talking, okay? Because there are several examples. And then I actually want to get to Paul and what he had to say about it, okay? All right? And how that affected his life. Paul was, uh, the more I read, <laughs> Paul was, he, he, I mean, uh, I just think mighty in the Lord here. He, I think of him shipwrecked on the island of Malta, and he's you know, shipwrecked, cold, it's raining. He's got criminals with him on the island. They all were shipwrecked together, and, and Roman soldiers, and they're on this island. And what's he doing? He's going around gathering wood for a fire. He's serving the people, serving them. Didn't think he was a big shot. Yeah. You know, he's serving them. And a serpent comes out and fastens itself to his hand, and he shakes it off just shakes it off and keeps working. And the people of the island are like, ah, this man has done something wrong that justice has found him out. Let's stand here and watch him die. And they wait and they wait. And he just keeps working and nothing happens to him. I picture him, he's probably singing a song and he's gathering the wood. And like nothing happens to him. His, his, his hand doesn't blow up. His face doesn't, doesn't, you know, he doesn't turn green. He doesn't, he doesn't die. He's as healthy as can be. And so then they decide, they change their mind. They're like, oh, it's a God. A God has come among us. You know, and so, so um, he, he's led to the, uh, the leading man of the island who owns loads of the property. That man's father was sick. So he goes, into the, the, he goes in and lays his hands on the man's father, and the man gets healed. So the people of the island bring all their sick people, and they all come, and they all get healed. See, that's a picture <laughs> of the adventure... <laughs> of living in the power of the Spirit. Say, does, does, God do, does God still do that? Oh, yeah. Look, folks, I've been over 30 years healed of Crohn's disease. Don't try to convince me God doesn't heal. And you've heard testimonies here, okay? But that's incurable. Not to God. Not to God. See, I, I just want to get your appetite kind of peaked a little tech. So I'm pretty much done. But next week I want to just talk about some of the, the key benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I'll just, I'll end with this. You know, well, what's in it for me? A lot. Okay, one, there's personal edification, which we'll talk about next week. Two, there's what we've been talking about. There's power to address the needs of others which is the most vital, really, in this case, because Jesus specifically said, you'll receive power 
might, efficiency, ability to address the needs of those that I bring your way. And, and thirdly is boldness. Boldness. There's a holy boldness that comes with, you know, it says that when people saw the disciples, the apostles, and saw, they said they're unschooled, ignorant men. They haven't gone to any of the great schools of our day. They took note of this. They've been with Jesus. He's turning the world upside down. And the fourth thing that I'll touch on is, and this is, this is vital, the fullness of the Holy Spirit will allow you to pray the will of God in every single situation. How many times are we stuck? I don't know what to pray. I'll just sit here. <laughs> uh, there is a dimension in the power of the Holy Spirit where you can pray with 100% accuracy the will of God because the Holy Spirit is praying through you. We want that? Well, come on. We're not just natural people, humans having a natural experience. We're we're born of God. <laughs> yeah, come on. Born of God. Children of God. Yeah.